Welcome to the NLPCourses.com show, where we push past the hype and pull back the velvet curtains of creating a successful life with NLP. Diving into physiology, neuroscience, and linguistics so that NLP becomes a practical tool at home and in your career, moving beyond the techniques so that you can make a name, make money, or make a difference. Tune in weekly if you care more than others think wise as we set out on our quest to uncover the secrets of successful people from all walks of life. Make sure you head over to nlpcourses.com to subscribe to receive our newsletter and receive free transcripts of each show. Here's your host, NLP Master Trainer, John Cassidy Rice. Welcome to this week's podcast. My name is John Cassidy Rice and I have the pleasure to be your host. Now, before we forget... I will do some mentoring, and I'll mention this particular salesperson called Bobby Brown, not the singer. And he asked for a session with me. And I'm in London, and he says he happens to be in London, so he says, where shall we meet? And I kind of figure, if you're going to meet Mr. Brown, you ought to meet him at Paddington Station. There's no other place to meet him. Now, Mr. Brown, strange enough, does like marmalade sandwiches. But today, he was having some porridge. And I met him there and he said to me, I've got this particular situation where I need to say something to somebody, but I want him to forget that I've said it. Is there any technique that you know about that would help in that situation? And I said, well, yes, there is, uh, but there is some ethics behind it. And he went through this long explanation, which I won't go into detail here, about why, no, it'll be okay, it's all part of the process, etc., so I said, well, there is a technique and it's called the amnesia technique. The thing is, if I show you how to do the amnesia technique, you're going to forget to use it. And he said, no, I won't. What is it? And I said, well, it's very straightforward. What you do is you talk about forgetting something and then you drop in what you want to say and then you carry on talking about forgetting something. And he said, for example what do you mean so I said okay so you know sometimes you're at a party and you get introduced to somebody and you meet them just five minutes later and their name completely slips your mind you've completely forgotten their name you can't think of it at all which is very much like when you put your keys down and you put your keys down and you've forgotten where you put it and you're searching for it and you just cannot find it bare and you're thinking to yourself where is this keys what is their name you really really just can't think about what it is their name where you've left the keys and he said to me are you sure that would work and I said yeah it does work I've stood up in front of groups of up to 100 people done the exactly same thing and then said do you remember what I dropped into the conversation they go no you didn't and I point it out and they go oh yes you did and he went okay I'll give it a go and I did remind him, I said, you would forget to use it because there's definitely some ethics around about that technique. And he said, no, 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 I won't, I won't, I'll use it. Anyway, so he went into the meeting and guess what? He forgot to use it. So what are we playing with here? And I think you picked up on we're playing with language. So this session is going to be about language. So what language have we just been exploring? Well, you might be forgiven thinking about it's a particular technique called the amnesia technique. No, that was just to get in the way, basically, to get you thinking about something else. 
The technique I was demonstrating really was called priming. Priming is a way to plant an idea in somebody's mind without actually saying the thing you want to say. And what you do is you set up the potential for that person to think in that way. So what was I attempting to get you to think about? What was I priming you to think about? So bear with me, we'll get there. So if I said to you, think of an animal. Now, not your common day animal like a cat or a dog. Now, that would be just way too easy. So make it a, you know, a large animal, but not a giraffe or an elephant because everybody thinks of a giraffe or an elephant. And it doesn't matter if it's white or brown, but what animal would occur to you now? Now, majority of people, not everybody, would say the word bear. So why the word bear? Because you had been primed for the word bear. Right, okay then, so let's have a little explore of how we prime that. Now this only works if you know about Paddington Bear, to be fair, and not everybody knows about Paddington Bear. So I started telling you a story about meeting a guy called Bobby Brown, not the singer, but if you're gonna meet Mr. Brown, which is one of the characters within Paddington Bear, then the only place to meet them would be at Paddington Station. So those words are associated with the word bear. In this case, like I said, Paniton bear. And I also dropped in that he liked marmalade sandwiches because that's what Paniton bear eats. And just to hedge my bet, I also dropped in the word porridge, the three bears, and then went off on this kind of tangent. So all that was hidden within the story about the amnesia technique with the idea of priming. So is the amnesia technique a technique in itself? It is, and it's an extremely good technique to use. There is some ethics around it, and like I said, if you think you're gonna use it, you'll probably forget to use it. So how do we go about priming? Here are the steps. Step one, decide on what you would like to prime somebody to think about. In my case, it was a bear. But for your case, it may be success, it might be study, it might be to get your children to go to bed early. Whatever you decide, have a clear goal. And again, all communication boils down to having a clear goal. That's how you measure success. Two is to brainstorm all the words associated with that word. So success, you could talk about entrepreneurs, you could talk about somebody coming to the top of their class, achieving. So drop in all the words that are associated with it. Step three is then to develop a little story, a everyday conversation to drop those words into. So it's actually very simple. Where could we use this? Well, we could use this in therapy to help our clients become well. We could use this within learning to create an enthusiasm for learning. And I guess you already know this is used in marketing and in sales. So a great technique in on itself and a very simple idea to be able to use language in a way that triggers a response in somebody else. Do be aware that there are some dangers about priming. So let's take the success for example. Now success seems very positive, very upbeat. Here's the thing. In one study, they primed the group of students for success who then took an exam. The exam was designed to be difficult, so this test was impossible to pass. 
because they've been primed for success and they failed, they felt demoralized about it and felt dejected. Then the next day, a different bunch of students did the same test but were not primed for success. And what they discovered was, yeah, they weren't happy that they didn't pass the test, but they didn't beat themselves up either. And the conclusion was this, the students that had been primed for success expected to succeed, and when they didn't, they felt a lot worse about it. And yet the group that hadn't been primed for success felt, okay, it's just another test, it's a learning experience, which is a lesson for all of us. We think we're being positive, but it's important for us to think through the results that we get from our communication. As one of the presuppositions of NLP, i.e. what we assume to be true about NLP to make it work, is that the meaning of your communication is the response that you get. So in the first part of this podcast, we've been looking at something called priming. And I highly encourage you to give it a go. I'm a big believer in when you've learned something, put it into action as soon as possible, and then you get some feedback and you can improve upon it. So go ahead and think of an area where you could use priming. Step one, decide on your goal, what it is that you want to prime somebody for. Step two, brainstorm all the associated words, phrases, situations that are that is associated with that primed word. And then hide it within a story. Am I suggestion would be an everyday story about meeting somebody something you did at a weekend those types of things and if you would like me to have a look over what you produced please go ahead and post it on the website and I'll give you a bit of feedback because sometimes when we're doing these things feedback really helps as they say feedback is the breakfast of champions and not Wheaties so let's have a explore of another language pattern Sponsor of this week's NLPCourses.com podcast show, the NLP Practitioner Training, designed to transform your life. Attend the first day completely free. Find out more. Head over to the website to secure your place with the next NLP Practitioner. Recently, I was asked by a lady called Alison, who had an interview coming up, what she could do to help with the interview. We explored many things within the coaching session, and one of those we talked about the use of language patterns. And in particular, we looked at presuppositions of language. And every time we speak, we presuppose something to be true or not to be true. Or was that an assumption? So within our language, there's lots of presuppositions. So if I said, Brian saw the car. For you to make sense of that sentence, you have to assume certain things exist. For example, you assume that there's someone or something called Brian and there is something called a car. So we're making these assumptions all the time. And within an interview situation, one of the assumptions that would be good to make is for the person interviewing you to actually assume that you're in the role. So how would you do that through language? And in particular, the presuppositions of language. So we're gonna explore a presupposition of language from a gentleman called Dan Sullivan who's written a book called The Dan Sullivan Question, which is a great question. And it's one, if you've got an interview coming up, this is a great question that you can use. And in fact, you can use it in many different places. The question is this. 
If we were having this discussion three years from today and you were looking back over those three years, what has to have happened in your life, both personally and professionally, for you to feel happy with your progress? Now that's the pure question from Dan Sullivan. Now obviously we tailored it for Alison's interview and it was similar to this. If we were having this discussion three years from today and you were looking back over those three years, what has to have happened within a department both for you personally and professionally and for the company for you to feel happy with my progress. Wow, there's some wonderful presuppositions within that sentence. So let's have a look at some of what has been presupposed within that question. Just in the first sentence where we say, if we were having this discussion, this is a, an agreement right up front that they will be working together at some time in the future. Next, we say three years from today. This is taking them into the future at a very specific time so that they gain a new perspective. Then the next line, looking back over three years, and it presupposes we've been together for three years and we're also exploring what is important in the present and what's not important at the moment. Then we finish with the line for you to feel happy. Now here we're tapping into values. We're presupposing, i.e. that you will be happy with my work and that happiness is a true value. Values are abstract terms like happiness, fulfillment, which drive human behavior. And it's a measuring stick for success at an unconscious level for a lot of people. So we see, even though Dan Sullivan calls this a coaching question, from an NLP perspective, it is loaded with a whole range of presuppositions. So you can see where this even could be used in the sales situation. For example, let's say I'm selling NLP practitioner courses, because I am, and I would highly, highly encourage you to go ahead and take our NLP practitioner courses, or even the master practitioner course. Could I use this question? Quite possibly. And you'd even know what I'm doing and would it still work? And that's one of the questions I often get asked. If people know about this, does it still work? And I'll say yes. So for example, having taken our NLP practitioner and we got together three years from today and you were looking back over those three years, what has to have happened in your life, both personally and professionally, for you to feel happy with your progress as an NLP practitioner? Now, obviously, I'm not going to do that. Now, obviously, there's a whole range of ethics behind using any NLP pattern, whether that's language or indeed any discipline, whether it's coaching, psychotherapist, psychology, any range of disciplines. And yet, not to ignore them because they are powerful. They enable other people to step into that healing paradigm, to be able to change their life, become successful in an area of their life. And you, like me, have probably discovered that the more you delve into the NLP language patterns, understanding how we tick as human beings, the easier it becomes to influence other people for good. So what do I mean by that? Understanding how people process language, understand how we think and influence in somebody else. So let's have a little play with that idea. 
In a moment, I'm going to invite you to think of an odd number between 1 and 10, and an odd number between 1 and 10, like a 3 or a 5, not a 2 or a 4. Okay, think of that number, think of that number, hold that number in your mind, hold that number in your mind. You're thinking about number 7. Wow, how impressive is that? So this little trick relies on a little bit of psychology and how you utilize language. So if I said to you, pick a number between 1 and 10, the majority of people would already pick 7. But because I tailored the language in such a way, I emphasized the fact that you would probably choose the number 7. You will recall that I said, think of an odd number between 1 and 10. So I've now got a 1 in 5 chance of getting it right. I then said, like a 3 or a 5. Knowing that most people would not choose 1, but because I've mentioned 3 or 5, you also dismiss 3 or 5, which leaves you with either a 7 or a 9. And I now have a 1 in 2 chance of getting it correct. Now, does it work every time? No, obviously not. Does it work the majority of the time? Yes, it does. Now, just understanding a little bit of psychology behind how somebody would choose a number in this case helps us direct the influence in a way that somebody would naturally process it. So the lesson here is really, can we use what we already know about someone to influence them in a way that they would naturally come to that conclusion? So what have we covered in this session? We covered priming. Priming is a way to set up the brain to think of a certain subject matter without saying the subject matter itself. And we use the example of the word bear and words associated with that. And the steps were, one, deciding what you want somebody to be thinking about. Two, brainstorm all the words associated, all the situations associated to that thing. And then step three is to create a everyday story, like what you did at the weekend, what you did at work, those types of things to hide those associated words in, which set up the potential. We also talked about being careful especially of priming someone for success and what happens if they potentially do not succeed in that situation. Then we moved in and started to explore the presuppositions of language. And we took an example from Dan Sullivan's book, The Dan Sullivan Question, and we've discovered it was loaded with presuppositions and it's a great question. If you've got an interview coming up, practice using that question because it's wonderful. And I'll put a link to Dan's book below the podcast. Then we thought to ourselves, understanding a little bit about psychology, how people think, how language affects others, is one of the ways that we can use influence with some elegance for their highest good. And we had a look at a little party trick, and it's always good to have little party tricks, to have somebody think of the number seven. Wow, you're aware of just how much we covered in this session yet again. There's so much fun. I also offered that if you would like to write some examples of priming and for me to critique them, I'm happy to do that. I'm also happy to do that with any of the presuppositions that you would like to write and you would like some feedback on. More than happy to assist you in any way I can. So we've got a whole range of resources. We also have an a YouTube channel which has a lot of NLP videos on. So go over to the website, visit us, say hi. Always good to hear from you. 
And if you like any topics covered in the future podcast, do let me know. I'm happy to tailor these to your interest. And what has been wonderful, we now have listeners from all around the world in all the different countries. It's really taken off this podcast and that's all down to you. So thank you. Thank you for listening and I look forward to catching up with you next week. Thank you for tuning in. You were just listening to NLPCourses.com podcast show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and make sure to head over to NLPCourses.com to subscribe to our newsletter where we keep you updated with in-depth NLP topics. Subscribe and stay tuned for upcoming episodes on neuro-linguistics, programming, and beyond.